for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you've heard us talking about elk hunting with decoys, then you know that in the right situation, they can be a real game changer. But just what is the right situation? Do they really make a difference? On today's show, we talk about the decoys and how we use them. Tips for solo hunters, team setups, strategies we use for deploying them, carrying them, and calling with our decoys. That topic along with our Elk Bros shout outs and a ton of questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. 
This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show and coming to you from Katy, Texas, a very close friend of mine, none other, Luis Gonzalez. And your elk hunting coaches out of New Mexico, from Cimarron, New Mexico, Joe Gillia and Leroy Chav Chavez. What's up, guys? I'm depressed. Hey, I'm brothers. depressed, Gilbert, man. <laughs> What's going What's on, up? brother? What's wrong? Uh, man, I'm, I, I, I'm going to have to go to the mountain real soon. And that's <laughs> just yeah, got tomorrow. me so depressed, man. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be depressed together. <laughs> pretty what? I was depressed today after my workout. It's <laughs> killing me. It seems like they've janked it, cranked it up to several levels on that little app that I'm trying to follow, man. It's driving me nuts. Hey, I, I hate the exercise. The only motivation is the mountains. So what you got to <laughs> yeah. do is, man, you got to put the headphone on with that bugle, blo- you know, blowing out there, and that'll get you motivated. Yeah. But yeah, man, I'm telling you, I went on my walk the other night, and I had the whole. It was like at 9:30, and it's so hot here, Joe. It's 106 with 98 percent humidity. At 9:30, it was still 98 degrees outside. Uh. <laughs> so with 100 percent humidity, felt like 107. And so I'm on my walk and man, I don't walk slow. I'm, you know, my, well, some people is slow paced, but it's pretty brisk for me. But at the end of the day, I had every dog and maybe some cats in the neighborhood going, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was people are coming outside of their houses and seeing what's going on, man. It's just this big fat boy running down the road. Uh, that's awesome man that's a true elk hunter right there man cranking the dogs out but (laughs) and and so we got to tell everybody man it's getting ready to happen it's on we're getting ready to head into the mountains uh so guys 
when you start hearing these podcasts after this, you're going to be getting our Live from Elk Camp podcast. We'll be doing different days that we'll be doing that. We usually try to do a finish-up one that you'll be hearing. So day by day, a lot of that stuff that, that has happened to us when we're in there, hopefully it's nothing like last time. Oh, my Lord, We made a whole behind. podcast of mishaps. A mishaps, man. man. 90% yeah. of them were on that trip. Oh my gosh. Man. So, you know, you know, we get those kind of hunts that just happen every now and then. You just crap happens, man. But hey, well, we if we can move even further ahead than what we did last year, we're we're going to be in high cotton. So We do for one. We do for a really good one, Joe. We do for a really good one. And listen, we couldn't really complain about the hunting last year. The hunting was phenomenal. Oh yeah. Uh, it, yeah. And and you know, we no doubt made lemonade out of lemons for sure yep. but yep. oh man we just need a few little less drama things going on. <laughs> <laughs> just a little uh, less yeah <laughs> just a we'll little take less it. man and chav chav has his uh Vakru camo i man i'm getting photos from guys man that are celebrating that are getting ready to hit the mountains wearing the elk bros Vakru camo uh we got the we got Mine the dangerous happening today, man what is I that? Guys, I got guys sending pictures and saying, hey, where's yours? And I was like, man, I don't know. I'm jealous. I haven't gotten it yet. And they're I... like, wait a minute. Weren't you the first order? And everybody's giving me crap because I was supposed <laughs> to be the first order. And everybody's got it. I don't have So, you, but wait a second. But you know what the problem is? <laughs> the problem is you ordered Athletic Fit, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, because now so, I'm athletic. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's afflicted. Yeah. I can tell you that ain't nothing afflicted. So <laughs> I, I, I think what happens in the order process is kind of like that. Um, guy, you remember on uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, man? When whenever the kid would get up on the thing, tell a lie, it would disappear. Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you you got it could tell that it wasn't golden, man. You turned in that athletic fit and it just dropped yeah. your order right out of yeah. there, man. Yeah. Yeah, this well, one can't be for Louise. It's athletic fit. So if if, if you want to know, man, I haven't gotten mine yet either, bro. So uh, uh, mine yeah. hasn't come. No, it's but, pretty painful. But I, they're giving me crap. That's but the, sure. the gators, the gators oh, are in stock, oh, and the gators cool, are going man. out. We have people buying them already. So by the time y'all those hear are, this, those are be already too late. available, Joe. Yeah, they're available on the site. Yes, sir. Gilbert already has one right there, so yeah, don't hate buddy. the player. Hate Gilbert, the game. Gilbert, man, he just always <laughs> is like, see, you guys call us the mafia, but you see Gilbert, Gilbert has more of a mafia sense to him than we do. <laughs> yeah. Gilbert has movidas, man. I mean, yeah, that's man. He just, he's got game, man. He's he, got game. No, no he's, doubt. Don't he's pimping in the background. That's what's Try, going on. Man. Man. Pimping in the like, background. For sure. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get this party rocking, man. That sounds good. Well, guys, you know what time it is here at Elk Shop. If you're new to our show, there are just a few cities out there with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yep. And now for our top listening cities. And I'm going to put this out there. If you have any trouble finding any of these cities or finding your way in the Elkwoods, you guys have heard it. Base Map Pro is the GPS app of who? Elk Bros Crew, right? <laughs> and remember, guys out there, if you're looking for a deal for our grinders, 20% off of that pro subscription with the promo code ELKBROS20, E-L-K-B-R-O-S-2-0. 
50 states. That's 50 available to you with that promo code, 24 bucks. All right. So with that, you should be able to find our top listening city right now. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'll start it off. This top listening village is a part of the Denver Aurora Lakewood metropolitan area. Native Americans lived in the area before settlers came in search of gold. If you are ever visiting, you have to stop at Tokabe's American Indian Eatery for delicious tacos or Yaya's Euro Bistro to get your munch on. And we're talking about Greenwood, Colorado. Eww. Greenwood. Colorado hungry, in the man. House. Yeah, our, our, I'm hungry too. Our, our state <laughs> to the north. But Yaya's, man? I mean, I like, Yaya's, I mean, that's, that's a name right there. Yeah. And yeah. we have we have a similar restroom here in Houston called Yaya's Mari, and, and it's Jiro's uh, uh, and stuff like that. My so grandma used oh, really? that word to, to describe some anatomy. Unleashed. Unleashed. No, that's that's a different that's a different word. A yaya in our house was like a was like a a, a, a boo boo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't uh, in mind, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your All grandma, right. man. <laughs> George Washington right? and the Continental Army bunked here on what is known as the Middlebrook. Trail and Betsy Ross's flag. Betsy Ross's flag made its debut uh, and flew over Washington's army here. It's also the home of one of the few unaltered Revolutionary War fortifications in the country, and this is in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Hey, New you Jersey. guys in Bridgewater, man. Hey, you know, forget about it, right? Forget about it. <laughs> you know, you, I have seen Bridgewater, New Jersey in the top 10 of our listing cities, like, con consistently. So a big tip of our hat to y'all over there, man. I'm glad you guys got that shout Thank out. Thank you. Guys, next up in the, in the shuffle here are one of the oldest populated areas in the nation. This neighborhood is located in the south central borough of Brooklyn. It is one of the original towns in the Dutch colony of the Netherlands, then became settled by the English Quakers under Lady Deborah Moody. This neighborhood is sandwiched between Coney Island and Brighton Beach. That's Gravesend, New York. Gravesend. Gravesend. Wow, Graves man. Gravesend, New York. I, oh. just, and I, I hope that means. I, well, hey guys, <laughs> thanks for listening, man. Graves in, please, and you, betcha. you know, I I think a grave is in for a lot of people. Uh, so that's <laughs> I just I just love the fact we got people in New York, people over in Florida, Jersey. people in Virginia. I mean, you get all these people listening. So you thank can. you guys very much. Right. Up next, first settled by Henry Rhodes after <clears throat> obtaining a land grant in 1841 from the Republic of Texas. The name, however, comes from a later settler, John G. Jolly, who purchased 160 acres in 1866. Y'all, if you crave meat, stop at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue for the best burger. Try Phil's Ice House in Jollyville, Texas. And we have a Rudy's Barbecue. I wonder if that's the same. Uh, I wonder. I think it yeah. might be the same franchise. Oh, let me tell you what, man. One of the only reasons that we officiate at the state track meet. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy's Barbecue. Right. Yeah. It's just north of Austin there, Joe. Oh, really? Huh? Yep. Just Jolly north of Austin between Pflugerville, Cedar Park, Round Rock, 
all yeah. that. I, yeah, there is a Rudy's there for sure. Yes, sir. And I, I, Rudy's Barbecues, if you guys have not had it and you're going through, or if you're going to Albuquerque, New Mexico, two stores there too. And <laughs> incredible, incredible barbecue, man. Love that. I'm a barbecue dude. So yeah. like when we go to Flagstaff, where oh, do we always stop? Oh, we go, uh, what is it called? Bigfoot. Bigfoot Barbecue. Bigfoot and Barbecue man. and Flagstaff. Yeah. Oh, Great man. spot. Yep. Okay, up next, voted the All-American City in 1982, 1998, and 2009. Our next top listening city built in 1794 by the United States Army under the direction of American Revolutionary Army General Anthony Wayne. In 1824, the Erie Canal, the same coal from all those folk songs, was built near the city. The city was nicknamed the Summit City because it was the highest point above sea level along the entire canal route. Uh, big shout out to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne. Indiana, Indiana in the house. And, and let me make a correction there because that's that autocorrect thing, the changes thing. That Erie Canal, y'all, is the same canal from those folk songs. 15 miles on the Erie Canal, right? Oh, cool. You remember that when you were a kid? Yeah, you bet. I, I, I know you didn't, Luis. I probably wasn't born yet. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, Young punks. They, they already quit singing stuff by the time you were born. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty sad day. Uh, so this city was named after Frederick Post, a German immigrant who constructed a lumbered mill along the Spokane River in 1871. The purchase of the land is preserved in a pictograph on a granite cliff in Treaty Rock Park. If you like an ice cold brew, Which we you, have tri you have a trifecta of five-star breweries that you may want to visit. Post Falls Brewing Post Falls Company, Brewing Company. Yep. Selkirk Abbey Brewing Company, and Up North Distillery. All found right here in Post Falls, Idaho. Post Falls, Idaho. Idaho. And we got Idaho, Indiana, Texas, New York, New, New, York, Jersey, New Jersey, Colorado. So Colorado. Cool. Yeah, that's just so freaking awesome. And, no doubt. And I tell you what, um, if my son-in-law is listening to this, he's making plans to go to Post Falls because that boy loves to go to those breweries, man. He just for his birthday. That's what he likes to do is just go visit brew hopping. Yeah, nothing wrong cool. with that, man. Get you a cold brew and nope. get back and relax and get you an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Try that in Cimarron. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, maybe they have uh, a taxi. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no taxi man <laughs> well they call joe joe will come pick you up <laughs> yeah there you go well so we're going to get right into this because man tonight y'all we're going to talk about hunting with decoys but we have a ton of listener questions that we're going to hit so uh in our elk bros mailbox so we're going to get started right away and you know, the first thing that I always hear from people, there's so many people that do not utilize decoys, and, I, and I'll tell you why they don't. A lot of times, they're a pain in the butt to carry, just flat out, man. And But we're going to talk about some ways and some things that it's not so bad. And and when we first started taking decoys, because you had to carry the 
like the stakes to yeah, put them the in, stakes, right? Yeah. Those stakes would weigh like five pounds, and they're on, and they're just awkward putting them in your pack. And by the time you had to get the animal unfolded, get the stakes in, get it was just, man, it, it's like, should I be dealing with this, right? Uh, but let me tell you what. Let, let me ask you guys: Do decoys make a difference? What nope. they work? <laughs> they work. I can kill my first bull with a decoy. Yeah. we had a decoy out. Yeah. yeah, I can remember uh, four times using the decoy. Gilbert's is one of them, yep. and three other times. And each time a, a bull came in, uh, you know, th that infamous uh, shadow <laughs> bull, the Sajo's oh, shadow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one. And then uh, last year, you know, uh, what was it, like three bucks? I mean, three bulls mm -hmm. caught Gilbert, uh, you and I, in the open, really. Yeah. If you didn't have that decoy in front of you, um, it would have been gone like that. Now, yeah. you were off my shoulder. I was on this, on your right-hand side, mm -hmm. and I, I think was Gilbert was on your left, a little little behind us maybe. Mm -hmm. And we were in a burn area, so there was really no, no cover of any kind. And uh, the whole attention was right on that decoy. You know, I could have been moving around and, mm -hmm. and you know, still did not distract them. It was right there. And even after that first shot, um, they, you know, he ran a little ways and stopped. <laughs> they weren't spooked, and there's still another one hanging around. Yeah. So yeah, decoys definitely used. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember the time with Larry Gill down on the lower mesa, um, had the decoy set up, and Larry Gill shot that one oh, okay. bull yeah. from about ten yards. Uh, the, I mean, this bull comes out. I'm calling. I have the decoy set up in front where I'm at, basically holding it in my hand. I'm doing the call, and I've got, you know, and we're going to talk about these situations even more, but that bull just comes and walks right by him at about 10 yards. I had uh, a, a shout-out to a buddy of mine, Don Primley, that uh, was hunting with me one time, and same thing, man. I'm up on top of the hill. Bull is coming. This bull called this bull in from a mile, literally 1600 yards on another ridge came down into the canyon came up came over the rise saw the decoy started coming to me don shoots him at 10 yards and the bull has the bull is bugling when he goes by him when when don shot him and it was it was incredible what a i still have that image in my mind decoys are in in the right situation are incredibly Effective. Oh, they would even let you get a second shot if you screw up the first one and kill a tree, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And really, and really, if I would have been, if I would have been on my get in a different spot, if I was maybe closer to Chab, <clears throat> I could have probably killed an, another bull out of that set. There were three bulls that actually, when he shot and killed the tree, those three bulls kind of <laughs> kind of bolted, but they stopped at about forty-five yards to the right of us and then the other one that he ended up killing he went to the left and was just bamfoozled and he turned around and looked back at the decoy and man they just couldn't handle it you know they were like we got to come back and check that out again you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, and, I, I can't i can't believe it and then on my bull the first one we ever killed we expected a bull to see us from a location and we had a decoy above us uh up on a hill and it was perfect i mean the way joe set it up and then the bull decides to come this route and he looks up on that hill and that, that she's standing up right behind you there. 
uh, Joe, that that Dolly's sitting up there in the middle of that field, and he sees her, and he just comes bugling the whole way uh -huh. straight towards her. You know, he's in a dead walk straight towards her, and Joe looks at me and goes, in that first opening, I'm going to stop him, and when I stop him, I'll call your yardage out and you kill him. And I'm like, okay. Well, I thought maybe he was going to stop him a little closer, but <laughs> he stops him at 48 yards and, and that bull stops and looks and he's looking at the decoy. Then he looks directly into our deadfall set where we're sitting. And uh, he said, 48, I sent it. And it, the rest was history. Uh, but yeah, that bull's focused on a decoy up ahead of him. What would Absolutely. you think that decoy was? Another 125, 130 yards, Joe? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, yeah, right, 130, wow. 150 yards away, yeah. 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 So, and, and when he saw the decoy, he was probably another 100 yards. Mm -hmm. So he was probably 230 away from the decoy when he saw it. Right? Just to and, tell you also the the, the ability, the sight uh, oh my of gosh. these animals. You know, yeah. they, they can spot you long ways away, I guess. Sure. Well, they can yeah. spot their kind. There's no doubt for sure, you know. Yeah. And and they're hearing the sounds, and then they see something that looks like one. They're coming to, you know, if it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck, probably it's a duck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's why that's why ducks decoy, you know. Yeah, exactly, man. Because you guys got to remember that it, when it comes to communication with elk, they go sight, sound. Smell. smell they go in that order man they 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 use body language to communicate visual cues and postures so yeah. they're constantly looking like that and if they're not able to see that other animal that's where the vocals come from right yep. and so when they're coming in they're coming in to see what they're hearing so when that bull came in you know, here's that cow over there and sees that cow on the other end because the way, and we'll talk a lot about this, but I just jump off into it, man. Sure. You know, the, the way we had that set up, because I was screaming bugles and was doing cow calls and it sounded like uh, a bull that had cow in heat, when he came around there and he saw that cow at the other end like the herd was moving out, like it was a last cow in yeah. there. Man, he, he started to get after screaming at her, I'm coming, I'm coming, girl, I'm coming, man, wait for me, you yeah. know. And, oh, it was yeah, it, it, it was. Every, every day of that in my, burned in my brain. And, and look, even this last year, I killed a bull because, and I think it made it a lot easier for us because Brendan had the decoy, you know. Right, right. Uh, bull, bulls got us pegged, and I don't know, we're six or seven minutes stare off, dead, I mean, looking at one another like we're trying to stare a hole through. And then he turns and looks right at the decoy. Brendan flickers a little ear, and he decides he's going to turn broadside. Well, when he did that, that was it. That was what's what took his life, you know. But, yep. again, I don't think he's as calm if he doesn't see the decoy. You know, when we say the right situation, people are going, well, okay, what is the right situation? So, remember, when we talk about how we want to do things, we want to set up uh, – doing a setup in a tight situation because remember what i said elk want to see they want a visual right if they're in an area where they have a visual if it is uh timber that has that you can see through all the bottoms of those pines for 100 yards 150 yards and a, your cow calling a bull comes in there he expects to see a cow man yeah. and he expects that cow to come to him once he sees that cow now if he comes in 
And that's a, a good reason I'm going to throw in right now that we throw calls behind us. Because if he comes in and he expects that cow to be right there, 100 yards in front of him, he's going to stand there and scan and look. If he yeah. doesn't see anything, he's going to sit there. He might give a He might give a call to tell you to come to him. And then, and you can sit there and go back and forth with that call. And if he doesn't see anything, he's like, something's wrong, man. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm. it it sounds like a duck. It don't look like a duck, right? Yeah. So, looks like Beto with a bow. (laughs) So, (laughs) when you're. Looks like Beto with a bow, he's in serious trouble. Gotta run. (laughs) So, if you're in open areas, if you don't have any undergrowth, or if you have a hung up bull, or if you have a bull that is looking for a visual, that is the right situation. And, you know, for us, when Chad was telling that story, you know, we go in and we are in perfect situation. So, Listen to this. Wind in our face, sun at, sun at our back. Okay? Wind in our face, sun at our back. And the reason that's good is, I don't know about you, if you've ever walked trying to look forward with the sun in your face, it's real hard to see things, man, mm-hmm. unless you have a brim of a hat to block that sun, right? Well, for those elk, they have the same problem. So we have the sun at our back. These bulls... We had not been patient enough. We had been down in the bottom, screaming, 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 called in some hunters, called in some other hunters, had a conversation. And in that amount of time, these bulls that had reacted to our setup were still coming in. So as we're going in, now we do a call, we get a a reply, right? So we start to go up the hill unbeknownst to us that there was another group of young bulls coming in. And as we get on top and top out, we spook them. And, but we have the sun at our back. When they spook, they're not sure exactly what it is. We get down, we cow call, right? And so I'm like, well, what do we have to lose, man? Let's pull out the decoy. Now, guys, the way that I carry a decoy is so that it's very accessible. And the decoy of choice for us right now is the ultimate predator decoy. I love that decoy because it gives us so many options. It can go on the front of the bow. Here's an example of that decoy right here. If you if you look <laughs> at it, it can mount on the front of the bow so that your bow shooting right through here. We have areas where it mounts right here. You have quick release. You have Velcro here right here. Basically, I lay that down on the ground after I deploy that, take my bow and go, and it comes up, and I'm right here so that I can shoot through it. So now I'm behind this just like this. Hey, y'all. So <laughs> so we have that, and it's great because even if I'm not the person that is the shooter, I can use this anywhere. We could use this for a camera. We could use this for all kinds of things, or I could hold it up. You know, nice looking decoy. I don't know if it you noticed good. on this. Yeah, but we even have glass eyes on this yeah. decoy. It gives hey, a, Joe, gives a show, show a quick ear flicker there, just just to show people. Yeah, so quick. again, remember, elk, elk work on oh, visuals. wow, that's okay? good. So elk work on visuals. So when an elk sees a decoy and he looks at it and it's all stiff, he's kind of like, huh, something don't look right. But you do that just like that, wow. like they do. That's pretty good. That and, looks pretty realistic yeah. there. Oh, man, it sells it. I'm yeah. telling you, it sells yeah. it. And uh, solid. and as soon as you flick that ear like that, they're like, oh, and they start coming in, right? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so uh, we're in that situation. <laughs> I have that deployed right in my back. I pull it out, put it on the ground, and within three seconds, I got a decoy on my bow, and I bring it up, 
and now I give a cow call, and now they look and they see that cow, and they're like, oh, that's what startled us was another elk, right? Mm-hmm. So change the whole game. Change the whole oh, game. Yeah. Next yeah. thing you know, we're packing out an elk and a tree, but we <laughs> but we, we were donated packing a broadhead. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's the thing that uh, that I want you to understand that there are certain times when it's good. Now, do we walk through the woods with the decoy on the front of our bow like that? No, we don't. You know, and is it there for every situation? No, we don't use it for every situation. Only the situations that it fits what we're going in. If I have a tight setup where we're calling with a lot of thick brush and I got a bull coming in and I have shooting lanes to the right or left. Uh, you know, when that bull's coming in, I'm shutting up. I'm letting that bull do his thing. I don't mm-hmm. want him looking at me. I'm going to freeze him once I have my draw and pull. So there's times when we're not going to use that. But, you know, Gilbert has a saying, you know, it's better to have it and not need, don't it, need it than need it and not have it, man. That's 100% right, just like a good handgun. And it, it sure made a difference <laughs> right there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... What we do is so we can get through this quick and we get to our other stuff, we want to help you guys out. So for solo hunters, you know, um, a solo hunter is either going to have a decoy with you, just like I showed you, mounted on the front of my boat. By me having the ultimate predator decoy, y'all change the game because now I am hands-free. Before, you know, uh, this was one of our decoys. In fact, this is the very decoy that we were using when Gilbert killed his. Okay? That's the Montana. Eichler makes one, makes a great decoy. There's a heads-up decoy that's uh, really cool, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why about that. But this is the decoy that he used. But before, you know, if, if I am a solo hunter, the only way I could use this is by having it staked out behind me and hoping that it worked. And then what would happen is, and Joe, if, just uh, just to, you know, for people to fully understand, especially uh-huh. like guys like me that don't have the experience, the reason why you want it behind you is so you don't want that bull hung up in front of you. If you put that decoy in front of you, they'll get close enough to the decoy, realize it's not right, and then go away and never give you a shot. If you no. put it behind you. It it just makes that bull get you know focus on, behind you and probably get closer to you. Yeah, correct? in fact, I like it to be off you. to the side. I I, I would <laughs> rather it be so that I'm kind of like in a little mini V, you know, to weigh you know from that straight line, you know, yes. so that as he has his focus on that animal, he's walking by me with his focus totally on the animal, giving me a broadside shot. And not to be redundant, you got to play the wind. Oh, when absolutely, man. Oh, man. Yeah, sure. it, well, you're Number not even going to see a bull if you're not playing the wind, bro. <laughs> right. It, it, it don't matter, right. right? So, but the thing is, if and you can use that decoy in front of you. I've done it. I've had the decoy in front of me. But the problem with the decoy in front of you is most of the time when that animal comes in, all he's going to do is give you a frontal. You know, it comes at right. it like that. Right. And hopefully you get it go to the side. But it, it gets kind of interesting and fun when you have it, when yeah. you're right behind it, huh? Right. So, yeah. Uh, we've done Makes that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had that. But, in fact, I mean, there's some funny stories about having a decoy in front of us and some shots <laughs> taken, man. So, you know, oh, yeah. yeah it, uh, and you're sitting there. I, I had a fellow with me that at one time, and we had the decoy in front of us. 
bull was feeding in front of us because the decoy had it so relaxed and we're behind the decoy i mean we're <laughs> two feet behind the decoy man just using the decoy to hide behind the bull is so relaxed because there's a cow there he just starts mm -hmm. feeding in front of us right well the guy goes to take a shot from the side tries to get out there and hits a stick and it goes down right in between the bull's legs. Oh, bull jumps, no, looks down. The bull goes over to the side a little bit and starts feeding again. <laughs> he goes to the other like side. Like I said, he'll give you a second shot opportunity. <laughs> he goes to the other side, and the way he turned his body, he ended up hitting the bottom of his cam off his leg or off a rock or something like that. Next arrow goes up over the back of the animal. By this time... I am laughing. I could care less what's going on. And I'm just laughing at the whole situation. And kind of like we did yeah. that one time. Uh, so, so, was there a third shot? The final no, was that no, happy? I know. There, there wasn't. There should have been. But I think I messed it up because I was laughing. With the laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Carl would so, say, guide mess up. You know, <laughs> you can have a decoy in front of you and have that. And and I think if you're a solo hunter, a lot of times you have to. The problem with it, having it behind you is if that bull hangs up and then he goes off, now you got to run back and the decoy it's is staked decoy. in the ground. So now you got to yeah. pull it out. You got the stakes. You got the decoy. You're trying to run through the woods to catch up. It just mm. it just gets awkward, right? Mm. So that's one thing I love about the ultimate man is the ultimate yeah, portability. The, oh my God, it's on the mm. front of my bow. I just go with it just like that. And I, and just so people know, right, Joe? And this is it. The, the way it folds is kind of like that uh, windshield cover that you put in your vehicle. So you kind of yeah. twist it and fold it. It turns into a little circle. It's and about I've that big. You, yeah, unfold I've it. seen you, I've seen you, uh, <laughs> I've seen you fold it and then put it right in your back between your backpack and your action and your back. So yeah. I'm, I'm folding this one right now. This, yeah. this, this is the folded ultimate right here. Right. And, and I put it right between my back in my backpack, like Luis said, and it stays right there. I need it. I pull it out. I deploy it, put it down. So it deploys that fast. It's down. It's on the front of my bow, and I'm right there, man. So, uh, you know, when I first saw that, I was like, dude, I got to be doing this. And after what I saw last year, you know, between my bull and Gilbert's bull, I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm in high cotton right now because this, yeah. this puppy works, mm -hmm. man. And it's so easy and quick. It's so easy and quick to pull out. Mm -hmm. um, so for a solo hunter, they're either going to have the decoy with them like we talked about or they're going to set it up behind them. That changes it so you can have it with you. And they're going to want to use it in an open area, an open forest or low undergrowth like we said. And they're going to use it as a visual pull, man, especially for that bull that hangs up. Remember why a bull hangs, Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm certain. Yeah, yeah. Something's not right. They, they want, but they want a visual, man. Confirmation. Yeah. They need confirmation. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a firm believer. And I was going to ask you this, Joe. Don't you feel like that this is a tactic that works, especially at the front end of the rut when those satellites are really moving around and and or they these bulls are liking to come in silent. They see something. They're even more curious about wanting to come in. I think it's a tool that's really from the first day of elk season to, you know, your first of October, it, it ought to be with you, you know? Yeah, I, sure. I totally agree because it, 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 in any situation, it could be a calming factor. 
Mm -hmm. right? Because those animals get nervous when all of a sudden this bush is making cow elk calls and they look over and they don't see a cow elk, right? So it's just a calming factor. It's a, it's a visual confirmation. So that's one thing I, I love about that, man. Uh, to me, you know, I'm not going to ever be in, I've carried that sucker with me now since I had that. Now, before, when, when I had the Montana, because yeah. either I'm going to have to hold it up because I did not want to carry those stakes. And I, unless we were in a situation like what we had with you, where we yeah. already had a blind set up, we knew where animals were coming in. It's kind of like a tree stand situation, right? Sure. If you already know how these animals like to come into an area and you're able to set up a blind and stake out a decoy ahead of time, well, that's that's killer, man. In yeah. fact, for those guys that want to hunt wallers or want to hunt water holes, you know, I would yeah, absolutely have a decoy on the other side. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen antelope when they come in. Antelope do the same thing. They always come to the rise above the water hole, and they will stand there yeah. and look and look and look because they know predators and wait for them around water, man. But if mm-hmm. you have a visual of an antelope down there, totally changes the game, right? Yeah. And you know what? I I want to try it. I want to try it stalking, man. I, I want to mm-hmm. try, you know, where I'm moving in with that in front of me. And that's going to be way fun, man. Oh, just just to do it, man. I mean, just to have fun doing it. So you bet. Um. So for partner setups and guys, this could be multiple people, and it doesn't always have. So you're going to use a partner setup as a visual. The way that I, I do it as a guide, as a visual, to pull the bull past the shooter, right? Now, and I tell you this, doing that, I don't have to have the ultimate predator. I can be using the Montana as well, or the Eichler, or a heads-up decoy, whichever is going to be easier for me to carry, because I don't need the stakes. What I do with that now is, let's say that I'm using the Montana. If I'm the guy, if I'm the guy up the hill, I don't show the whole animal. What I do is I get behind a tree, my body, and I use... The back end, I'll have it move out a little bit just so they can see a little bit of that back end, have a little bit of movement, you know, like it looks like that animal is feeding, that mm-hmm. sells it, man. It's the it's that type of thing that sells it, okay? I You don't have to show the whole animal for that bull to see it, all right? right. Um, but what I like about this is it also, by using a decoy, um, it also allows for a good caller to be the shooter up front as well and here's what i mean by that if you have a decoy a lot of times if you're without a decoy and let's say i'm the caller and it's me and you gilbert right if i'm Mm -hmm. the good caller well i'm gonna have to call for you which Mm -hmm. isn't going to give me a shot opportunity it's giving you the shot opportunity right right so not necessarily, but, if, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I get but, where you're coming from, Joe. But if I have a decoy, what I do is now as a caller, I can be up on the front, have yeah. my partner who's not a good caller back behind me off to the side mm-hmm. with that deke, And I'm throwing my calls behind me. And as yeah. that bull comes in, now I've set up the situation. Then when that bull locks his eyes on that deke and starts coming, I shut up, man, as, yeah. as the shooter on there. And I can just let the animal come by. Now that has allowed me as a caller to become the shooter in a partner scenario. Yep. So uh, that's that's something for people to remember. Okay. You bet. And I think, I, I, and 
look, I, I, we talk about this, Joe and I, and whoever we're hunting with is whoever's got the angle on the bull, the best angle, they're the ones oh, going to take the shot. We don't, yeah. we don't get hung up with who's up or you know, right. flipping a coin. No, man, if the bull, Joe and I have had, literally had this conversation in the middle of the trail and the bull's <laughs> coming at us and he's like, all right, you're up. I'm like, if the bull goes right, Joe, you kill him. If he goes left, I'll kill him. You Joe know, would lose, like, would lose it every time like, Manano and I would argue, but our <laughs> argument would be because <laughs> – I was I would say Manano, you go first. And Manano would be, No, 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 you go first. And I would oh, be, No, man. no, no, you go first. And then Joe would lose it. Guys, whoever gets the shot. <laughs> yes, exactly. Both of you go out there now. Yeah, so get that. you know. I, I just told Joe this is the way it's gonna be from here on, on out. If you're hunting with me, man, I ain't up first. If the bull breaks to the right and you're on my right, you're killing him. If he we're not gonna cross each other, right? So and it, that's exactly how it happened. Bull went right. Joe uh, killed. But but I've got that figured out, Gil. Man, all I got to do is like when he comes over and you look at me like you got the shot. I'm gonna go. I don't have a shot. I can't yeah. see. It. <laughs> uh, hey Joe, real quick, how does it? Uh, how does that decoy connect to the bow? Is it? Is Velcro. it? Velcro so, and yeah. yeah. So there's actually two ways with that you can do that. Mm-hmm. They have one system that use like wire spider legs that yes. go on it. And it has like a little hitch system on it that will actually, some people like that because it'll let it fold over to the side on the side of the bow so that if you want to keep it on and walk through um, the trees it. with it, and you can almost, it, it, it looks a lot like a big shield, you know, right, you know how right, you're right. carrying it, like a Roman yeah, yeah. shield. So you could actually, if you're in a situation, you could flash that puppy you know, mm-hmm. if you see an animal, so you already have it deployed like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I, I use it, though, I have these uh, quick attach straps. They have Velcro on them that go on my riser right where your, your riser gets uh, uh, cranked down, right? On your, do, those on your come, do those come with the, uh, with the actual decoy or you have no, to buy them separate? you have to buy those separate. You have yeah. to buy your attachment system. Like if you I want agree. the eyeballs, too. You have to yeah, buy those buy separate on there. Yeah. Um, do you have to have the eyeballs? No. But, again, it's like that ear twitch Whoa. when they get in close, man. When they see that glint mm-hmm. off the eyes, it just gives yeah. it that much more realism. Oh, realistic. my God. Those eyes realistic. look real, yeah. man. I yeah. mean, you, you, you pull back away from that decoy 10 yards, and I'm telling you, you can't tell. And you put yeah. it behind some stuff. Ooh, looks yeah. super real. I mean. Yeah, you, you can yeah. see those eyeballs. In fact, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you look super real. Yeah, yep. it, it's a. It, I really like the size of it too, man. I, I mean, mean, if I, you guys yeah. just look up there, right there. I mean, y'all, y'all see that right <laughs> up there. I mean, that looks real, man. I mean, those. Yeah, it ooh, does. Lord. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, my it's, taxidermist it's, actually saw that and he goes, "Oh, in the world, did you get the eyeballs out of that elk to put them in there?" <laughs> <laughs> but, but. Uh, guys, the other thing I want to say before we get off decoys is I recommend, especially if you're going to have an ultimate predator, that you practice with that mounted on your bow shooting through it, man. Yes. Okay? Because, uh, you know, I don't think it'd be that much different for a pin shooter. I really don't. But, you know, instinctive guy can mess with you a little bit, all right, just with your depth of field. Mm-hmm. So, y'all, let's get right <laughs> after that Elk Bros mailbox right away because – We've got questions galore. We got Patrick Benford. We got Travis Driscoll, Taylor Larrabee, David uh, Casaselli. Yeah, there we go. Casaselli. David Casaselli. Sorry, David. I'm I'm trying, man. Um, 
Alex Federer, Travis High, Jonathan Bruce, Charlie Newberry. We've got a lineup and a half with some cool questions. Awesome. So, Luis, why don't you start with Patrick, man? Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Patrick Benfer. Independent um, Kansas, Independence. That's right. That's awesome, so, man. He says, I was uh, wanting to know what size acreage-wise you guys consider as a spot. This is our first trip, and we're not sure how big our Plan A or Plan B or Plan C area should be. Uh, and for well, my, he's got a second question there. Let's handle that first one first, gotcha. okay? So, you know, he's he, they're they're talking about acreage, and that's a real tough one, man. Because, you know, I've been in an area that has had. I mean, we've been in an area of only a thousand acres and had all kinds of crap happening oh, on man, it, right? You bet. But the thing is, is you have to be able sometimes to move off of that amount of acreage. Like I guide on one ranch that's only twenty five hundred acres. Well, if the elk are on it, they're on it. If they're not, <laughs> they're not, man. Yeah. And so you can't so that's go a little anywhere. Picture right there from a ranch. It's like. 2,000 acres, okay? Right. And you can see they're on it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. They jump that fence that they're in front of, and they're off of it. <laughs> so I, I don't know that you want to think of a spot as an amount of acreage. I think you right. want to think of a spot as where a different group or a different herd might be. Might be, yeah. yeah. So, like, for example, think about where we hunt. Think about the different spots that we find elk, right? How, how far away would you say our different groups are from each other? Hmm. Well, I, sometimes within a within a half mile, but generally, if you're able to travel a mile in either direction, you know the four corners of the compass, you can find different groups. Right. And uh, and there's always the solo bulls hanging together, and uh, an occasional uh, small group of cows which have bulls in the area. Mm-hmm. But uh, now the acreage, it, it really depends where you're at, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I know a lot of people, we mentioned several times, will leave an area without really looking at that area closely and, and travel right, right by elk just to get to an, a different spot, which like may or may not have hunting, any. Joe. What's that, bud? I'd like to know where he's hunting, what kind of spot he's talking yeah. about. If he's, you yeah, know, so- if he's talking about some big big uh, uh elevated country like idaho or something like that it'd be real small yeah um, if he's talking about some big rolling country like wyoming or even arizona it could be big country you know uh, so a lot I, of it i never think of of it as acreage i always think of it as in time spent traveling yeah and it seems like for us from one area to an hour's drive on rough stuff right yeah so an hour, uh, 45 minutes might take you five miles, man, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, to me, each spot is probably anywhere to three to five miles of separation when mm-hmm. we go from area to area. Now, mm-hmm. I could be in Colorado, and I could be hunting uh, you know, over the counter there and not having a look in there and go 20 miles you know, to another yeah. area right Mm -hmm. the for us we have to stay within our hunt area um and your hunt area you know could be anywhere you know it could be forty thousand acres it could be hundred thousand acres right so Mm -hmm. you just have and it changes with 
like you have might have a lot of that that's all pasture land where they're not at and there's only so much where there's you know trees and and timber and stuff like that and there's no cover in that open grassland so that eliminates a lot of areas so it really really depends patrick on the type of country um its ability to hold elk and i think that's the the main thing the areas that have the ability to hold and keep elk in that area and and thinking about water thinking about cover and thinking about feed i think that's more important to recognize those areas and not go okay i have two thousand acres over there so there should be an elk on it because that's not necessarily the case sometimes man we get in an area and we hunt hard 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 and we, I mean, we didn't find anything, man. We don't see a track, right? Exactly. And we've, we've been in an area with 5,000, 6,000 acres and not see anything. Well, we might have to travel eight miles away to another area and then try that one. So, again, it, I, it's not about size. It's about the ability to hold elk and yeah. for elk to be there traveling through there. So that's the way you have to think. Think about the trifecta, food, water, shelter right and you got to think food and water because if you're hunting archery uh well if you're hunting anytime you got to think food and water man right got to be there uh what was the second question Luis? he said and for my second question which is a true blue collar question did you guys buy multiple wind checker bottles or do you buy one or two and keep refilling them as needed if you do refill them what do you use to refill them with I know $3 um, or so a bottle ain't much, but I have learned from uh, you the importance of knowing the wind, and it sounds like you carry more than one. So, so I, I don't believe I'm about to say this, but I, I'm not able to not say it. Um, Manano carries one, and if he runs out, he's going to borrow from Luis. <laughs> no, let me correct you, Joe. Monano does not carry one, and he will borrow one from me for sure. For sure yeah. Oh, you know, I don't do any refilling. Any of you guys do any refilling? I, I've probably had the same wind checker bottle for, and look, I whitetail hunt like crazy, so I might have refilled that bottle once in two years. Um, oh, really? Yeah. You know, and what? So, yeah, and to his point, what what would you refill it with? Do they sell re, uh, like bottles of that talc. powder? Or is there any cheap talc. powder out there that Un- you can refill it with? Talc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can use different talcum. Um, mm-hmm. There's you can actually buy some of that powder from companies yeah. to do that. And, I've got some and, from Dead and, Downwind. Yeah, yeah. And I just, just bought go. a I just bought a deal from Dead Downwind that's got the talc in it. Yeah, <laughs> but I what I do. Um, and, and as a grinder, Patrick, is I always wait till after the hunting season when yeah. everything goes on incredible. And I buy them for a dollar a bottle. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah, I, I think just, I bought my last one for a buck ninety eight at Academy. Yeah, I just just buy them. You know, after everything, after the hunting season, and all the prices crash down, man. Yep. Good okay. Question, uh, next up is Travis Driscoll from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he says, my question is this. We are hunting September 1st through the 14th. We are going to have a full moon during the early days. Any thoughts or advice on how to deal with the situation? If it's anything like the past full moon, we will be lit up all night. Yeah. Hunt, baby. (laughs) There you go. Go hunt, man. Don't worry about the moon. Go hunt. The midday might be even better. 
Absolutely, man. So uh, you're September 1st through the 14th, and that means that those bulls in that moon will be cranking off at night. Go out, do some night listening first. You don't even have to talk. Do some yeah. listening. You don't hear anything. Do some night calling. Get them pegged. Mark them on your your base map app there. Uh, be there an hour uh, before daylight and and get ready to get on them, man. You know, put them man, to roost just bet. like you do a, a turkey. turkey. Now, what Gilbert's saying is exactly right. They've been playing all night, so they're probably going to go in the trees early. Well, <laughs> you're a bow hunter. We don't need them out in the meadow anyway, man. We don't mm-hmm. want them. Out. We want them in the trees. So now's the time is if they are going to a destination, all you want to do is just stay on them, shadow them, put them to bed. That midday hunt is going to be incredible because they're not going to stay bed at that whole time, man. Right. So uh, that's the best strategy. And, you know, we've even done where we followed them in the moon all night long. Right. So that's, you know, when things get towards the end of the hunt, things yeah, get a little you, bit you desperate. Do some wild, yeah. Well, they say de- desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, you know, guys, don't don't get caught up on that. Go hunting. Have yeah. some fun, man. Uh, like Joe said, get out there and listen at night to we make you plan for the next day. Got to definitely got to have the wind right, you know. Uh, for me, a lot of times the guys, you know, they want to come back to camp because it's windy. Ooh, buddy, windy full moon days, midday, that can be killer, man. If you can get in and tight on them when you hear them, they're on you. So, yeah, you got to have the wind right, fellas. But uh, good luck, man. Travis, you guys go kill a big one. Want to see some pictures? Gilbert, yeah, why don't you take the next guy? No, I was, I was just going to say that's the same uh, time frame that we'll be hunting. Exact same time yeah. frame, man. You and, bet uh, you can't wait just a few days. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we, we've had it dark moon. We've had it moon. We've had it hot weather. We've had it cold weather. You know, look, we did a piece called No Excuse Elk Hunting, right? And yeah. um, I, I truly believe that, man. Every situation has a positive to it. You know, you can always look at something and, and develop an excuse for why things aren't going right for you. Yeah. Or you can but look at it. a little bit of rain, it helps uh, helps with the sound, you know. Yep. You don't, you don't yeah. sound as much. Uh, and then, you know, to Chav's point, too, it feels like that rain kind of settles the smell down a little bit. And, you, you know, it's, it's usually a good opportunity, especially right after the rain as well. So, like you said, everything as an opportunity those those animals don't have anywhere to go they live there they, they live there that's you know regardless of the weather they're going to be in the area um, yeah we in there just gotta, or or the moon man i mean yeah you know and and the other thing to remember too is just because it's a full moon night yeah it's going to shine when it's full but sometimes it depends on when that is going to set or when it's going to rise as well sure so that's something for you to remember too Okay. Yep. You, be, you bet, man. Why don't you take the what, next one there, Gil? You bet. Next up, Taylor Larrabee from Mulvane, Kansas. Taylor, he how says, you doing, buddy? Man, we appreciate you giving us a question here, Taylor. He says, what would be a good calling sequence when an early season bull responds to a bugle and he wants to buddy up and, 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 and he wants to buddy up? Also, how do you know if he even wants to buddy up? <laughs> or what the situation is after you close the distance. 
<laughs> uh, also, so we'll, we'll address that first question there, Joe. Yeah. So the main thing that tells you Taylor is the time of year and what he responded to and how he responded, man. So, you know, if, if an animal is wanting to buddy up, these are herd animals. And if you have a bull that's responding just because, let's say you give a cow call, right? You always want to deal with, and we always start with cow calls first. Remember, we go lover before we go fighter. So if I'm giving a cow call and I get a bull that bugles off, and, and it's just a, a nice, calm bugle, you know, hey, I'm over here. Now, when I give a cow call early season, it could be a bow call too, a bull cow call, right, doing a bull mute. So sometimes they're responding to that. Now, uh once I hear that animal through the distance, you're right. Close the distance when we get in there. Now, what do you think I'm going to want to start off with? Am I going to want to scream a bugle now? Nope. That, that's not what he responded to. I'm going to give him what he wants. And he wanted right away. He heard another elk in the area, and all he did was he gave a simple, I'm over here. Hey, I'm right here. So location. I'm gonna get and, and to y'all's advice in the previous podcast as well, I think it's important. Like, look, if 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 you get confused, say, you know, you're like me, you get the veto lack is bad, right? And then at that moment, you kind of everything you know about elk and everything you've heard in these podcasts about elk, it goes completely out and you forget it. Um, just just default back to just repeating his sounds and kind of try to do the same thing uh, that he's doing, especially in a situation like that when it's, he's not being aggressive. Um, I think I think that should work, right, Joe? Well, it, it can, but but here's the thing you need to remember he on that, Luis. Be fired is, up for that to happen, though. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, Luis. Especially mm -hmm. if you do it, you should always do his level or less than his level. Or less, response, right. right? But it's kind of like if <laughs> if you're getting a reaction, like for example, you go into. We're always using the bar. Guys, I don't go into many bars, by the way. <laughs> always using this as an example. Yeah, but, sure. Sure. <laughs> but Not but you anymore. go in there, right? Not and, any uh, less either. <laughs> you, you go inside that bar, and, and you see a girl over there or uh, on the side, and, and you give her a wink, and she kind of smiles at you a little bit, right? And, and then the next time she looks over at you, you do that, like, chest pump, <laughs> like that. And she looks at you like, oh, man, you think you're going to be giving her the chest bump again, right? So you're going to give her what she's reacting to. And the same thing with the bull, man. If that bull reacted to a cow call, I, the first thing I'm going to give him is a cow call. Now, what yeah. Luis is talking about is if, if I do that and he responds to it, again, remember, Taylor, we're talking – it depends on the time of the year. So, you know, if that's how I'm going to gauge pretty much where this animal is. And we've talked about this a lot of times. And uh, there's there's places in our academy where you can go in where we lay out all of how they react. Right? I was going to recommend that, Joe, a senseless plug on our academy. It covers <laughs> that plug, in the base right? camp. Hey, yeah, listen, honestly, a shameless plug for real, Taylor. Go check that out. It will help you tremendously. Because it's going to tell you what the what mode in certain time of years these animals most likely in and and so when i have a bull that responds i'm basically how do i know that he wants to buddy up well it's generally by the mode by the time of the year it's either that pre-rut or it's that rut staging phase right so 
I'm going to go ahead and give him, first of all, what he asked for. Now, do they always react back? Not always with a call, man. It, it's not always a bugle. I could get closer and I could cow call, and that booger can start coming into me silent. And you got to know this, and you got to be ready for this, and you got to expect it. All you got to do is ask Luis, man. Uh, Manano's not here. You can ask Tucker when those guys were with me. The first thing I told those guys when we go out in the morning is, I'm going to start cow calling. Right, Luis? Yes, sir. Right? And, and what instructions do I give you guys? Be quiet. <laughs> and looking off to the sides, right? Yeah, and so, behind us. Right, because we are looking for bulls to come in silent because it's that time of year. They want to buddy up. They want to come in. They're a little timid. So they're going to come in and try to visually check, you know, Confirm. who that is, right? Confirmation. Yeah, yeah. confirmation. Yeah. So uh, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to use. Now, what Louis saying, let's say that bull goes off, right? Well, I could try giving him uh, a bull call. Well, why would I do that? Why would I do that if that's not what he's responding to? Now, let's say I gave a cow call and I got nothing, but I give a small location bugle and now he sounds off, right? right. Mm -hmm. Now the game has changed, right? Mm -hmm. Because I've given a cow call, he knows there's a cow there, and he knows found, it's a cow with a small bull, right? Found a trigger. Yeah. So, yeah. but you, you don't want to start. You don't want to start with the bugle. And then, you know, him not responding, and now you're going to cow calls because then I don't know you're going to get anywhere. To your point, I think you want to start with a cow call, soft, right, bugle, until you find that, that, that trigger for that bull. Absolutely. You want, to, you want to go ahead and work it near to far, lover first, and or yes. passive, man. So either you're going to be lover or you're going to be buddy. At that time of year. Now, you said also, if you have a group of bulls you're trying to pull in that are in a bachelor group, right. what calling would you use for that situation? Mm. Well, they're herd exactly. animals. Use herd talk. Yeah. Okay. Cow calls. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I don't know what Luis is doing calls. right now, but ask Luis about this because he was he was on. You had how many bulls in front of you, man? Oh, I got like I had like five five young bulls sparring off. I could hear them. Actually, they were kind of cow calling, and then also just I could hear I could hear them sparring Sorry. off and and practicing uh, with their antlers. So, what do you think would have worked in that natural environment of what you were hearing? Mm -hmm. Did you hear any bugles? No, I did not. They no. were actually kind of cow calling, bow calling, right? They're bow they're calling, bull yeah. mewing, right? Mm -hmm. So. What do you think would have been the most effective to bring them to you? Mim mimic that. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mimic yep. that. Yep. Read the situation. So that mm -hmm. that's that's my advice to you on that. Taylor is is understand yeah, where they're at. Group, man, get you know well, get to cow calling. If you hear them calling to one another, then mimic that too. You know. Yeah. And, and then have that decoy with you. Because when yeah, they see that go. decoy, son, yeah. they're going to come. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, and to that, Chab's over here to the right, and you're wondering what calls to use for the longest time. What's the only call you had? I was just a uh, hoochie mama. Yeah. Hoochie how, mama. Many, how many bulls and cows <laughs> did you call in with that? Oh, several. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Several and, 20. Yeah, and, and that's, that's all he ever used, mm -hmm. you know. So – did, did, were you ever in a situation because most of the time we use that we were separate that's why we're using the hoochie right right so 
were you ever in a situation where you saw a bull and used the hoochie and got hoochie? Now I sound like Luis, god dang it, hoochie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Did you ever get to see their reaction to it? Um, yeah, actually. Uh, you know, the bull would uh, put its head up and listen and then slowly feed towards me, towards the sound. You know, he headed in that direction or towards me. But, you know, real nonchalant, you know, just feeding, coming up slowly. Yeah. You know, Gave him comfort. He knew yeah. there was a cow yeah. there, uh, relaxed, and he was relaxed, just kind of mm -hmm. getting close. Yeah, he didn't, out. he didn't bugle or anything, just kind of moved up slowly, just that I had him in sight. So I could see him. He couldn't see me. But, you know, that's the type of uh, the silent treatment. <laughs> well, and that's one thing I want to want to make clear here, too, guys, is understand that elk move in their time you know we're wanting every time we call for an animal come running into us that's not the case especially if you're trying to do the buddy or you're trying to do mm -hmm. something where you're just herd talking and you're wanting them and what do i mean by herd talking what i mean by herd talking is you just i'm just Throwing the and it's hard. You don't hear it the same here, because you know I've got the microphone right here. But when I'm out in the woods and I throw that in different directions or use my two, it sounds Sound like, like a, a herd, herd moving through, man, mm -hmm. with those chirps and mews like that. Yep. So just by doing that and they hear it, well, what they're going to do is they're going like Chab said, man, nonchalantly they're going to feed that way and go join up with the herd or go check out where they're at. So you got to remember things move in their time, okay? Yeah. So I'm going to do the next one. Uh, David Casaselli. Uh, hey, I did better that time, David. You bet. From Emily City, Missouri. Is that Missouri it's where Emily City or is that Missouri? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of us north and south that they get that uh, Missouri and Missouri. Yeah. So I covered both of them there. And he says, oh, man, y'all, I, I – I, we got to talk about this, man. This, this. First, thanks for all the good info, guys. Uh, <laughs> it took me a bit to get into your group dynamic with the three eccentric personalities, but I'm hooked now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be Gilbert, Joe, and Chav. <laughs> no, 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 dude, man. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, eccentric. I, I've never, I don't know, man. I get, I've been called a lot of things, but eccentric <laughs> ain't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you what, man, what, I've got a new thing to define you. That's so cool, David, man. I've never heard that, man. So you're going to have to explain it to me sometime, David. Uh, and he says, we've always been able to get into elk in the area, but I struggle with good plan for morning since we're above the unit and the elk. And with the thermals going down, I always fear blowing elk out on my way down in the AM and busting out an entire drainage. I often end up glassing at first light, trying to see where they'll bed and then make a play to get there in time for midday. But I'd like to actively hunt in the AM. I just never like the plans I come up with. How can you move down with those morning thermals on elk in the AM to make a play? So... What, what I'm going to tell you, first of all, is is what's going to pretty much dictate your play is going to be, because I, I'm not sure if you're doing it 
but I'm doing some location calls. Again, I'm starting with cow calls and then I'm going to a location bugle while I'm up on that ridge. And then what I get from those elk is going to determine my AM play. So if I'm coming in on a ridge and I hear those critters already before I've even said anything, well, there's two things you got to understand. You got to understand the thermal, you got to understand the the wind, you know, because even though that thermal's going down, do you have a steady wind or steady breeze from a direction? And what you want to do then is, depending on where that animal is, you might have to back up, go down the backside of the ridge and go all the way around to get everything right. But that's what you do. The only problem with that is you lose some of your AM. But if you lose the AM, it's better to still have the elk and be with them when they're going to the destination yeah, than to blow them out, right? So if if I'm able to and I have that prevailing wind coming to me, even though that thermal might be dropping down, that prevailing wind's going to bend that thermal, and I can start heading in a direction to where I get the same level as that animal to start working that animal in the morning, okay? Or um, I get down uh, and come from the opposite side and start coming to where I'm not going to blow them out if, if the wind's coming that way. Uh or I wait to hear which direction they're going up. And you're, you said the same thing. You glassed them to see it, but you can almost hear them because bulls generally, if they're with cows, and then once they hit the trees, they're going to start sounding off. They, Once they get into the thick trees, they want them cows to know where they're at. So they're sounding, they're sounding. They're basically advertising their position where they're going. But, you know, the, the other thing that you can do is you can find the down end of that drainage um, and come in from the down end so that you have the thermals in your in your favor. Now, I don't know exactly how you're coming in, and I don't know the topography where you're at. I know you're up on the top of a ridge, but I would look at if I had to make a morning play on them in the bottom, and I knew they were in the bottom, then I would find a different way below them to come in. I would actually try a different ridge and come off on the side of it and circle around and come in on them. That's how mm -hmm. I'd make my play. Or I would stay on top like you're doing, and once they sound off, that determines how I make my play. Or mm -hmm. if I don't hear anything, you're doing the right things, dude. And yeah. and David, man, I've seen the photos. Dude, you're a killer already. Yeah. You know, you're you're trying to figure out the better way to make that play, uh, which which is great. But I, I think that all has to do with how you place yourself in that drainage, right? Yeah, for uh, me too, Joe. Lines. I think he could. I could think he could fi figure out the core travel corridors that those elk are using from the bottom to the top, and beat them to it. Uh, you know, get around them, beat them to <clears> it, <throat> and try to ambush them from the top, from from the middle side, from the top to the bottom. Right. So, yeah. The only yeah. thing you got to be careful on that is, is because remember those animals are going to go up using those thermals. No, so when yeah. So you just got to make sure when you do it, you are on the per down prevailing wind side, side of wherever they right. go. And I really, my favorite play in the AM is if I want to play on those critters in the morning when they are heading to a destination, if they're calm, a lot of times they're feeding, like Gilbert says, in that corridor, they're taking their time and they're heading up if they're not boogered. My favorite play is to parallel them 
and then try to pull those cows over awesome. towards me and bring the bull. And they'll do that, man. I'll be on the same level, and they'll come up and they'll go right by me, pulling that bull by me. So I, I really like, if I can, and if they're being lackadaisical and they're taking their time, I always want to parallel them to the down prevailing wind side. And and uh, that that's one of my favorite AM workabouts. And if I don't get them, you put them to bed, and now you got to play on them at midday. Okay, so good luck, we'll, David. Yeah, yeah, eccentric of a person or their behavior, unconventional <laughs> and slightly strange. That's definitely Beto. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never been labeled as that before. A person of unconventional and slightly strange views or behavior. All right, I take that as a compliment. There we go. I'm in. I think, hey, yeah. David, man. Okay, the next Except. question comes from Alex Fedegua, Fedewa. Fedewa mm -hmm. from New Lathrop, Michigan. I had a question about antimicrobial spray that you put on your meat while you're quartering up your animal. Do you use it, and should I put some in my pack? Nope, and up to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nope, never have. I ever uh, and up to you brother yeah and you know for Alec for us um, if I can I leave the skin on the quarters I cut through and I leave the skin on the quarters if 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 we can get those quarters into our camp uh, get them off that body and then get them into our camp within two hours you know an hour uh, I like to leave the skin on, and mm. uh, it keeps it from getting dirty, keeps stuff from getting on it. Uh, it's still going to cool off. You know, uh, it's not enough time. It, it's off the body. And, yeah, you have some warmth in the bone inside there, but we have never had issue doing it like that. Now, if it's in high heat and we found that animal four hours later, then yeah, different then that's story, a different story. Different right? story. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of we had that situation with the bull, uh, with my bull this year. Yeah. He ended up laying in the sun. We get to him, he starts to puff up a little bit. So we got to get that skin off immediately, right? Yeah. So we did. yeah. Uh, so there's different situations, but microbial spray. Yeah, never heard of it actually. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Alex, you might want to listen to the podcast. Oh, that's coming out. Yeah, that came out. Uh, no, it's coming out this uh, – oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's already yeah, – by the time you hear that, it's already yeah. out. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, last I'm week's so podcast. interested in that in that podcast because it seems like you guys are really talking, you know, butchering and processing, field dressing oh, and man. all that stuff. And, so, so. so look for the Insights Edition with Jason the Butcher, man. And uh, uh, it's just – it's a fantastic piece. And we talk a lot about this. And, and Jason is just he, – he's a professional. This is what he trains uh, guys in the military, civilians, on how to process meat to keep that meat in a situation that is, you know, knowing what to do so it doesn't go bad. Yeah, you know, it's a great conversation. So go check out last week's podcast on that. All right. Mr. Travis, hi. This year with the bow, I feel like I need to up my effort and tactics. And, tactics. and uh, one of the things... I am interested in is night bugle listening. You guys often talk about going out uh, way early in the morning and locate bulls that uh, 
that way you can uh, be on them first light. My question is, what time do you go out in the morning? Um, P.S. I am the one who won the elk nut app hey. you gave away. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Travis. So, thanks so much. I'm uh, using it a lot. That's awesome. Paul Medell is the bomb. Love Paul, man. And, uh, you know, just a fellow grinder, gets it done. He's so passionate. You know, you got to give the guy his props, man. I mean, yeah. it's just fantastic. So you're a lucky duck, man, to get that Elk Nut app. And for those people listening out there, uh, we have nothing to do with the Elk Nut app other than I, I think the world of Paul. He's a good guy. And, he's, you know, like I said, he deserves all the respect for 10 bucks. The information yeah. you get on that is yeah. unbelievable, man. It's so an, uh, it's an check awesome it out. app and well worth the money. It's well spent. Uh, he's a fantastic elk caller and understanding how to speak the language. So, yeah, how, yeah, no, the the audios there are incredible. Super how, cool. You got examples of both um, him doing it and then actual elk doing it. So, so he wants to know how you know um, what, what time, time how early out. do we go out locate them at first light? Well, uh, well, we get up real early. <laughs> you can, you know, everybody can vouch for that. But uh, it, a lot of it depends on on where we're heading. You know, if it's if it's only uh, a mile or a half mile away, uh, our starting point, we want to get there probably uh, an hour before daylight. At least, yeah. Yeah, at least yeah. an hour, uh, and uh, start calling. You know, starting with with the cow calls. And, man, uh, it's a great time to soak up that morning too, uh -huh. man. Oh yeah, the the sound carries. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like when he's I saying, said, he cow and, and when Chab's saying an hour before daylight, let me let me add to that's an hour before gray light, not sunrise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things, just to kind of put it in perspective, Joe, and sorry to interrupt, what we try to do is that whatever we whichever area we decide we're going to be hunting um we want to be in that area with the four-wheeler or whatever it is turned off and all our gear ready to go on foot ready to start walking and still dark absolutely still <laughs> dark pitch black yeah but, and then at that point we start walking even with uh you know small headlamps and stuff like that and then um, that's when, that's when Joe starts throwing out, you know, cow calls and location bugles. And um, if you're, if you're going to have a moonlit morning, go use it, man, go to bed and get up there and be out there two hours yeah. ahead of time. Cause you can cover mm -hmm. country in that moon and you won't, can see. Won't even things, need man. your headlamp. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's perfect. And they're talking, man, they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, now I have seen this and, and trust me, this can happen as well. I don't know why, but sometimes it'll be pitch black and you can be talking, but it's only that like half hour or 15 minutes right as gray light is starting to come up. You could have worked through an area and you're past it and that gray light starts to pop and you give a call and all of a sudden those critters sound off. And I think it's because there wasn't any light and, you know, mm -hmm. I think they might, they they wait till they get a little bit of gray light, gray light before they start sounding off. And yeah. I've walked right by animals in the dark that have sounded off from, I'm like, God dang, I just came from there, right? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I, I want you to know that that can occur at times as well, you know. Uh, I yeah. can't tell you how many times Joe, Joe and I have dumbed right into a daggum herd of elk in the gray light. 
Yeah. I mean, seriously, we'd be walking along and I tug on the back of his shirt because I'm normally way behind. But I tug <laughs> on the back of his shirt and I'm about to die anyway. I need him to stop. And uh, I'm like, Joe. I think there's an elk in front of us. He goes, huh? Give me my binoculars. <laughs> so I give him <laughs> his binoculars. I got to reach in the back of his pack for him. And I get his binoculars and he looks and he goes, you know, that is an elk. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, damn, we can't go any further, man. They're all looking at us like, who in the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's really cool. That's a great time of the morning, fellas. I love it. You know, if, like it. if I'm heading out of camp, y'all, and I see gray light in the sky, I, I get panicky inside because yeah. I'm not Related. out there in what I consider the magic time, man. I, I mm -hmm. think that that time, that half hour before gray light to that gray light is just a super time to be in the woods. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not able to tell you how many times I've gotten on elk in that gray light and Right as I get that sunrise, what we consider that half hour before sunrise, get that shooting light. I've already got an animal shot when most people aren't even getting out of their tent yet. So exactly, uh, yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great time. It, and look, it, it's hard, man. I'm you know I'll be honest. It's you get in the night before if somebody else killed an elk and you you, you know you, you've worked all night <laughs> then you get to camp and you cook and you eat and after you eat you feel like the freaking world collapses on you and you just hit the sack and you don't want to wake up until 3 p.m next day right <laughs> and so it turns out you got to get up at 3 30 or 4 o'clock in the morning next day mm. and getting up is super tough but is it worth it Yes, oh, man. every Absolutely. bit of it. It just it just increases your opportunities. And again, you're out there just for ten. Well, in our case, ten days, ten days that we crave for 360, 355 days. Yeah. And so, so make the best out of it. Yeah. yeah, and that's what you you beat me to the punch. I was gonna say, here's the number. You know, 355, 350. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's going to be about the amount of days that you're going to spend dreaming of being back <laughs> doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. So make it happen. You know, get in there and make it happen. You know, suck it the heck up. Get your butt <laughs> up. And yeah, Thanks, I know coach. sometimes oh. I know these boys are, are, are sometimes going like, oh, man, I hope they don't get up yet. You know, just let me have five <laughs> more minutes, right? Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. But I, I can tell you, man, uh, I, I've been hunting. I've been guiding, uh, I mean, throughout. And, man, you just get in a mode that you know, if I'm going to make it happen, I've got to grind. And part of that mm. grind is getting your butt up in the morning, being out there before other people. And it's just that's the toughest. Man. That's the toughest part for me, part for me for sure. Yeah. But it's definitely worth it. At once you're up and you're either on that four wheeler with the wind hitting your face, or you get off that four wheeler and you got your bow in your hand and you start listening to the cow calls and stuff like that. It just like, it's a flip gets switched in the back of your head and you're ready. You're yeah. ready and, to go. Yep. And, and some of the best, Sleep man is out in the woods. Yeah, Ooh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, right up against a tree. Man, you bet you. you um, take us a little cat nap. Next one is Jonathan Bruce out of Eugene, Oregon. We know Jonathan. I actually talked to him on the phone. He says, "Do elk pretty much follow the snow line, or will they just drop straight down into the valleys?" It'd be cool to be able to follow the herd down and then back up for scouting purposes. But is there really much benefit to following a herd year round? And uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jonathan, where we live in New Mexico, I don't deal a whole lot with a snow line, first of all. Um, mm -hmm. We really don't have to worry that. I, I think it more ha has to do with our animals, has to do with the grass. Now, that's where that green grass comes from on a snow line when it's melting. That's why those animals stay with it. But I can tell you this, that's that high country herd. There are herds that never go to the high country that stay down in that low country, down the fields, down near the rivers, uh, in the flats, along the farmer's fields. They never make that move. So um, I think the only thing about staying with the herd year-round is just what I like out of that is just learning elk behavior. Um, so when you ask, is there, is there really much benefit to following a herd? the more you can spend time around elk, the more you understand the elk, the more, the better you feel around elk, the more comfortable you get around elk. Um, you get rid of those veralaques that you guys hear Luis talk about, which is kind of like the buck fever, the shakes, you know, is what he's talking about there. Um, and so that, that's the only thing I would tell you on that. You know, uh, I could, I'd be speaking out of my wheelhouse on that for you. Cool. Last up, next, who wants to take next that? Up, next up, uh, Mr. Charlie Newberry out of northern Texas. Uh, man, uh, we appreciate you, your question, Charlie. Uh, he says, my son and I drew an Arizona tag in a unit compromised the Ponderosa Pine Country. Open understory. There's, uh, there's some small craters that would provide northern north slopes for bedding. However, in that type of open country, what type of areas would you expect them to bed? If it were if it were more mountainous, I would look for northern slopes, benches, and et cetera. Et cetera. I, I was on the phone with Charlie today. Okay. And let me tell you where Charlie's hunting. Uh, and it's a beautiful uh, area. In in some areas around there, right? Mm -hmm. And and the thing is, is you know he. So I want you to think about where we run uh, mm -hmm. over that area because we go do some of those trails and stuff that we do, and he, he's thinking like it's wide open in there right lots of benches but, and coolies oh man there's so much roll in there and there there is scrub oak and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh you know there's there's a lot of uh dips in the terrain and stuff like that you know uh and elk there too huh oh a lot of elk yeah <laughs> and when you say open understory it is open to a certain extent but there's so many trees yeah that uh you know you could you, you know you're you can see just so far and then it's just uh you know a uh, mass of trees mm -hmm. so uh you know they're they're probably bedded down in areas where there's a uh you know an area where it's like a grove of trees that are closer together there's a lot of shade in that in, in the area actually in flagstaff uh, yeah. and I there are some spots that are condos. yeah there are spots where there is uh some uh vegetation closer to the ground yeah but and, they'll bit down just about anywhere where there's a, shade a lot of dips and drops yeah, and stuff like that exactly and, yeah. and i think anytime that you have open area um and in arizona and there's different and there's places we talked about we actually brought charlie up a little bit last week in this but i never answered his question directly but in arizona there's places where there's a lot of juniper pinon 
you know, different pine, a lot of scrub stuff mm -hmm. in that country that a lot of people look at it and go, man, there wouldn't be an elk in that. It looks too hot or, or mm -hmm. something like that. And, and then you have that Ponderosa pine country that he's talking about here. But there are way more dips and rises. And what I tell people is when you hunt something where there is, where you think there's an open understory, then you use that terrain, you use the dips and the rises to make elk have to come over to see you, come up to see yeah. you, you know. And guys, if you're setting up and doing a tight setup and you have open country, open understory, and you have something coming into you, if you can get that animal to come from a different level and you be tight enough where they have to actually, because that animal's going to either come up like Gilbert, like your bull did. Can Absolutely. I mean, you can look in the video where we see his horns just rising yeah. up over that hill, right? Just a little at a time. And then once he gets on top where he should get a visual, he's going to stop and look, man. Yeah. So that's exactly, I mean, if you can be close enough on that terrain to where that animal's going to, come by and stop and look and i know charlie charlie just uh became a member of the academy today and there charlie go look when i'm talking about setups there's there's a there's a video where i talk about using the terrain and i have a bull come in open area a lot of ponderosa bottoms where this animal comes from a lower down level coming up the side of the hill and he comes in front of me 18 yards. In fact, you're going to hear me. I stop him broadside at 18 yards and go, tonk, dead bull, man, because it was perfect scenario. Just using that, uh, instead of using vegetation, I use the terrain, man, because he's going to come up and look for me at that point. Okay. Yep, I'm Charlie, too. I'm probably looking for what you guys said. If there is some oak brush there and there's acorns, they're going to be around that, too. They like to bet around that oak brush, too. Absolutely. Uh, it's, real, it's real thick, and those oak leaves tend to give them a lot of shade and uh, in mots, you know, but, so they'll get right in the middle of that. Bed they will bet out in the flats in the juniper on yep. the, you know, in the shade of the juniper trees, man. Yep. I mean... Uh, it's they're they're going to bed and they're just going to you know like Chav said last time they're going to keep their eyes open they're going to have their little sentry they're going to sit and look and they're going to stay in the shade they're going to get up as the sun moves and move to the shade again they mm -hmm. will absolutely do that you know so you know Man, you just awesome gotta you gotta hunt there. with your eyes your ears your nose and get out there and look for track and uh, and just hunt these animals down man and what's great about that flat juniper country is you're going to get those 15, 20 yard shots, man, because it's just, it's just so thick in there. So, uh, I want to wish you a good luck again, Charlie. I mean, I, I know you and your boy are going to be going out there. It's going to be a great time. Don't forget to go to Bigfoot pizza. And if for that breakfast, go to the place, it's called the place there in, uh, and Flagstaff I've got the biggest biscuits, Gilbert, you've ever seen in your oh, life, yeah. man. For breakfast. Some big old yeah. cat heads, huh? And it's Bigfoot, Bigfoot barbecue. Yeah, Bigfoot downtown. barbecue. Yeah, I got to hit that. Yeah, absolutely. Some big old cat head biscuits. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Joe, tons of questions today that we had yep. answered. Fantastic content. We Just in a couple of days, me and you are going to be up there chasing bulls. So Heck it's yeah. going to be fantastic. The mafia is coming into camp. We got the cat killer from Pennsylvania, Brendan Houlihan, that will be joining us. It's going to be epic. Y'all are not going to want to miss our episodes from the mountain, that's for sure. 
Uh, guys, as usual, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcast or iTunes to review, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And also, reminder to our listeners, if you'd like your question answered on our show, just send us some your uh, question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Well, it's been fantastic. Luis, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, when I guys. see you guys, we'll be on the mountain with the Venezuelan Mafia, the, the Pennsylvania Cat Killer, and our elk hunting coaches, Joe Gillia and Leroy Chavez. From them, myself here in Houston, Texas, like I always say, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies and keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Oh boy, Gilbert. Peace, peace. (laughs) Sweet.